Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning once again. We just want to praise you. We want to worship you. We want to give you glory. Father, even as we now meditate upon your word, anoint us all afresh, a fresh unction from above, fresh authority from above, Father, fresh anointing, fresh anointing, Lord, that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know you, that, Lord, we would understand your ways, and that we will walk in righteousness. Father, you said, Lord, he who practices righteousness is righteous. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will continue to make it, Father, a practice, Lord, that you will just not be hearers of the word, but be doers. Thank you, Father, for this time once again. Commit all of us into your hands. Speak to our hearts. Anoint us afresh. Father, your word says, if any man wills to do the will of God, he would know whether the doctrine is of mine or is it from God. And everyone who seeks his own glory, seeks to do his own will, seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of him who sent him, Father, enable us, Lord Father, to be a people who will just hide ourselves in you and let you live through us. That your glory, that you and your name alone will be glorified. Thank you, Father. We commit ourselves to your hands. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so just let's turn the Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 onwards. Um, sorry, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards. It says, uh, sorry, 3, 1 onwards. What am I doing? <laughs> Apologize. Uh, but know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay. And men, for men will be lovers of themselves, etc. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, other trans, uh, the verse number four will say lovers of pleasure and lovers of God. And verse five will say having a form of godliness, but no power. And from such people, turn away. So, and Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, that word perilous, and this word, when he had come onto the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, or Gergeshines, it says, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. That's the word for perilous. So you have perilous times, uh, times of intense demonic activity, unprecedented demonic activity. And in those days, even if the, if those days are not shortened, even the elect could get deceived. That's what we've been looking at in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 and 22. 24, 21 and 22. This is what Bible says. It says, for then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, 
no flesh would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shorter. So, these are the, these are, these are, these days are a time of preparation so that we get our spiritual priorities straightened up. We need to know what our spiritual makeup is. And one of the things that we need to know, are we a part of the elect? Okay. It's for the elect's sake. Um, those days will be short. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 33. How do we know that we are the part of the elect? Okay. So I'm going to look at five attributes first before we understand uh, the next sun which the Lord has shown me to share from um, of Jacob. So let's understand who are these people who are a part of the elect and how do I know that I'm a part of the elect because they are elect by God, not by man. There's no elections in in this particular thing. These are all people who have been chosen by God. Many are called, few are chosen. The word chosen is also translated as elect. Okay, and he tells uh, Israel, I have chosen you out of the furnace of affliction. There are so many people who are afflicted, but out of those people in that furnace, God has chosen a few. All right. These are people who have been elected by God even before the foundations of the world were laid. Okay, it's, this is God sovereignly has chosen, chosen a few. I mean, chosen. Um, uh, he has called and he has chosen. And how do we know that we are the part of the elect? And of course, uh, we can see, we can examine our own selves and see how we can understand whether we are a part of God's elect. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 to 33. It says, what then shall we say to those, to those, to these, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver up, delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And the next verse will say, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Answer is no one. Why? It is God who justifies. So the first thing about the elect are those people who have been justified by faith. Okay? These are the people who have been justified by faith according to Romans chapter 5 verse 1. You don't have to turn there. They have been justified by faith and they have peace with God. They are a people who have not trusted in their own righteousness or on their own works but on the finished work of Jesus on the cross for their righteousness. They have been justified by God, meaning they have been declared righteous just as if they have never sinned. Okay, this is something which we need to keep on telling ourselves. Okay, it's not just they have been forgiven of their sins, because even forgiveness of sins is there in the Old Testament too. They have just not in, not only been forgiven, but they have been declared as if they have never sinned. Who is the only person who has never sinned? Jesus. That means they have been declared as if they have lived the life of Christ. That means the righteousness which is upon Jesus has been credited to you by faith. Is what it means. To be justified by faith means. Okay. In the sight of God, they are righteous. That's the remarkable thing. Okay. This is an 
absolute impossibility no impossibility mean impossibility in terms of human uh, thinking or uh, in human understanding no human court can ever declare a person for example who was murdered as not guilty when all the evidence is against him circumstantial and otherwise okay there is a clear evidence that this guy has murdered no human court can ever pronounce that man not guilty can it no it has to send him to the gallows or whatever punishment is decided by the court yes has to has to be given to her on the other hand god who has whose whose court matters ultimately the supreme court in the universe if this man truly repents and believes on the finished work of jesus christ on the cross this murderer this thief who has been declared guilty by a human court will be declared not just not guilty but what righteous just as if you have never sinned that is the reason why today you shall be with me in paradise who is this guy who has been justly rewarded for his sins on earth when he comes to heaven god says i will reckon nothing against you i will reckon you as absolutely righteous before so before the side of god and those are the people who are a part of god's elect it's amazing isn't it so that is the reason why we say the wildest offender who truly believes that moment from jesus not only a pardon receives he also is considered a person who has never sinned that is a part of god's elect what a privilege and if you are a part of god's elect and if you really really know that you know what it is not by your own works it is not by your own righteousness you have been saved it is the lord who has justified you you know what there is a tremendous what we call as freedom liberation in your heart that you don't have to perform before god all the works that you try to perform to bring to to uh, uh, draw attention I mean, to attract God's attention to yourself is not going to really matter. No, we are all as an unclean thing, is what Bible says. All right. So the first thing is that they have been justified by faith. Okay, they have been justified by God. If they have been justified by God, and you, all of us, of course, uh, we know for sure. At least I. I mean, I, I, every time, every day, you need to speak that to yourself. I have been justified by faith, not by my works. It is a free gift of God. okay i'll never try to earn god's righteousness or god's salvation it's impossible for me to do that okay once i have accepted jesus as my lord and savior okay there is a sanctification work that is is a part of it but this is something which is absolutely okay apart from works it is apart from the law it is by faith through jesus all right second how do i know i'm a part of god's elect turn to first peter chapter 1 and read from verse 1 onwards Let's read Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ <clears throat> to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus okay grace and peace grace to you and peace mul be multiplied all right uh, who are the elect therefore there are two things that have been uh, 
uh, alluded to here in this particular verse. Uh, if you turn to, I mean, if you can see the same um, verse in the ESV, turn to First Peter chapter one and verse one in the ESV. That's enough. Just verse one, verse one. Yeah, Peter, verse Peter chapter one, verse one in ESV. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are the elect exiles. Who are these people, Baba? These people are a people who have an exile mentality. They are people who consider themselves prisoners in in this world. Okay. If you are a prisoner in this world, that means you are not comfortable in this world at all. Or rather you are not even complaining. See, for example, if you are a prisoner in any uh, prison, you don't complain about, okay, this is not there, that is not there. Hello, warden. The food is not good. Whatever has been given to you, you eat. Whatever bed has been given to you, you sleep. You don't have any rights per se. You are content. You have a prisoner mentality. So here on this earth, if you are really a part of the elect, what kind of a mentality you have? You have a mentality which is what? Boss, I am content with whatever I have. No complaints. And I don't even want to complain. Because I know I am a prisoner. Alright. Second, it says in uh, in the NKJV calls you a pilgrim. Meaning what? I am a temporary resident. Okay. This is what temporary resident, okay, or or, or a resident alien. <laughs> you are going to be, you are not, you don't belong here. You are an alien in a foreign land. Vagdan, you are you are a foreigner in the land of promise. Okay, even in the land of promise, that's what it says about uh, Abraham. Okay, all right. So first, you are a person who is absolutely being justified by faith. That means you do not trust in your own righteousness. Second, you have an exile mentality or what we call as a prisoner mentality. You don't complain. You're absolutely content with whatever you have. Content what lot ever, whatever lot I see. Okay. All right. Content whatever lot I see is what the hymn writer says. Okay. We are content with what we have. Contentment with godliness with contentment is great gain. We have nothing. We have brought nothing into this world. We will take nothing away for surely having therefore what? Food and raiment, let us be satisfied. Not even roti, kapada, makan. Roti or kapada, kafi hai. Makan ki koi zaruti nahi hai. Avashakta nahi hai. Take So, first thing, you have a prisoner mentality. Oh, sorry, you have been justified by faith. Second, you have a prisoner mentality. And in the same verse, in First Peter chapter 1, if you go back to the uh, NKJV, verse 2, this is what it says. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, God the Father, foreknowledge of God and all, we, we do not know. We don't want to get into the, uh, into the foreknowledge of God. In sanctification, for obedience. That means what are the second thing that you have? You have an obedient spirit. You have an obedient heart. Okay? So first thing, that means you are obedient to God in the little, little things and the big things. And you are not just obedient for the sake of obedience. You are obedient from the heart. Okay, you will, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It is a delight for you now to do the will of God. You are not saying, oh, you're like, Lord, you're just waiting for God to give a command and you want to obey it. Aapki agnya sarang khopar is what is your mentality. Okay, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 6 verse 17. Ro- Ro- Romans chapter 6 verse 17. You have an attitude where it says, but God be thanked, though that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed. 
That from, it says from the where? From the heart. That form of teaching to which you have been delivered. And then verse 18. Okay. And having been set free from sin. You see, when you, how do you know that I'm, I'm an elect? That you have a freedom from sin. And how do you know that you have freedom from sin? Because you have become obedient from the heart. You're just not saying, okay, I'm obedient because he's going to punish me. No, it's a delight, it says. A body you have prepared for me and I delight to do your will in the multitude of the uh, of what has been written about me in the scriptures or in the scroll. Okay, I delight to do your will, O Lord. I delight in the law of the Lord. I just don't obey for obedience sake. I delight to obey. So first thing, how, how do I know that I'm exiled? I, I, I'm, I'm God's elect. First, I've been justified by faith. That means I don't trust in my own righteousness. Second, I have a pilgrim or an exile mentality. Third, I'm obedient. Fourth, this is a remarkable thing. You have, you know that you are a part of God's elect if you have declared war on your old man. Okay, let me show you this. Uh, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12. Yeah, it says, Therefore, as the, what of God? Elect of God, holy and beloved. You see, this is remarkable, isn't it? How do you know that you are an elect of God? That you have been set apart for God. And you are the, you have become the beloved of God. Who is the only person who is beloved of God? Jesus. Therefore, in Christ, you are also what? The beloved of God. Alright? So, you are the elect of God. You are the holy separated unto God. And you are the beloved of God. So, if you are the elect of God, what should you do? Put on tender mercies. I mean, you don't have to turn there. It says, KJV says, bowels of mercies. You know what bowels is? Coming from your gut, from the inner man. In fact, if you turn to uh, the same chapter of Colossians, read from verse 10 onwards, and you will understand why I'm saying this. Uh, Verse 9, sorry, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with its deeds. You have put off the old man with its deeds. You have begun to wage a war against the old man, and now you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And then... Verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all, therefore as the elect of God. You see that? The whole construction there. Therefore as the elect of God, put on uh, and holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. You're putting on the new man. Means, means you have tender mercies. That means right from deep down inside of your heart, there is tender mercies. Okay. What is it? Right from your inner man, Things are coming out. It's like this, no? Uh, Out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Okay? You understand? Out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. So whatever your belly is full of is what is going to come out. So you should be very careful as to what you're filling in so that those things will come out. So because it says it is not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man defiles a man. Okay, so what comes out is directly proportional to as to, to, to what you have you have sent in. For example, if you can uh, turn to Acts chapter 1 verses 17 and 18, you look at a negative example first and then we will 
For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in his ministry. Who is this person? Judas. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. Falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. See, this is exactly what he was in reality. What was he filling himself with? Wages of iniquity. <clears throat> Covetous desires. And whatever was in, was coming out. Okay? So, be very careful what goes in. For example, something which you should not allow to go in. Let me give you an example, okay? Turn to Proverbs <clears throat> chapter 12 and verse 10. Oh, oh, no, no, 26, 22. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 22. Um, okay. Uh, the words of a talebearer are like tasty... Trifles. Wow, I like that. The words of the talebearer, they look very tasty. And they go down into the innermost parts. That is where your bowls are. So if you are nicely eating, nice slander gossip, it becomes a part of you. And whatever goes in, comes out. Look at what it says now. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 10. Look at what, this is remarkable, isn't it? 12.10. A righteous man regards the life of his animal. That means he is kind to his, even his animal is kind. But the tender mercies or the bowels of mercies of the wicked are cruel. Even his <laughs> tender mercies are cruel. You see? So what is going on? It all depends upon the condition of your heart. Okay? So, so he says, so how do I know that I'm a part of God's elect? Therefore, you have waged a war against your uh, old man and now you want to be obedient and you want to show, express your love from your bowels. What kind of love? Tender mercies. You want to truly be merciful to others. It's very, very difficult to do that, right? It's one of the most traumatic things to do is to overlook people who have sinned against you. When they have actually, when you have actually been kind to them and when they repay evil for the good that you have done to them, it's very, very difficult for you to forgive them. It's very difficult, for example, for parents to forgive their children if they have children have gone against them. And it's, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. Like That's the reason why Jesus says, you know, it's, is it easy to ask this man to pick up his mat and walk or is it easy for him to, for me to say your sins are forgiven? It is easy to say pick up your mat and walk. It's not easy to overlook people's faults. But when do you extend tender mercies when you have eaten tender mercies for yourself? Right? You have literally accepted the tender mercies into your life of God. And what happens is that what goes out from your life is tender mercies. Okay, that is how you know that you are a part of God's elect. You know, we are merciful to others. You are kind. You are gentle. You do not. You 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 are always quick to overlook people's faults. All right. So let's go back to Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. You see, so many things you'll see. Therefore, as the elect of God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. You see, all these are. Actually, brothers, hmm? bearing with one another, it's got to do with your attitude with others, isn't it? So you know how you are, are a part of God's elect by the way that you are with other people, essentially. Forgiving one another. Why? Even as, if, if anyone has a complaint against 
Another, even as Christ forgave you, you also forgive him. But above all these things, put on love, which is a bond of perfection. You know, you don't have to turn through this. This is enough. Okay. This is how you know that you're a part of God's elect. So, four things we looked at. First, we have been justified by faith. Second, we have a pilgrim mentality. Third, we are obedient. Fourth, we have waged war against the old man by loving others. You know, it's a decision that you take. Lord, I will overlook people's faults and I will do it. I will start practicing it. Okay? Anaga, anaga, raga. Even vemu means bitter herbs. Even you keep on eating them after a while, it becomes sweet. So you keep on practicing, 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 practicing. It becomes a part of you. So keep on practicing love, 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 love. Just keep on practicing consistently. See, every old habit is broken by consistently practicing it. The right thing. Not the old thing. The right thing. Okay, four things are over. Now the last thing, what what I, what is the fifth thing? How do I know that I am a part of God's select? You are importunate in prayer. Okay, let's turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 18. No? Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You know, this is important. You know, it's very, very easy for us to get discouraged. Very easy. Because this is a long obedience in a single direction. You do not get instantaneous results. Okay, when we are looking for, for example, let's say you have a huge financial difficulty. Because of lot of debt, debts that you have taken and now you are saying, Lord, deliver me. You know, this is not a big deal for God to just send you money like that and deliver. But you know what God does? He has to teach you a lesson. So slowly, one step at a time, he will do it. Untie. Why? So that you will learn to be a good steward of God's resources. That is also important, right? So, so this, there is a process. The point is, we always want to circumvent the process and we want to go into the destination. It's not possible. Okay. Thankfully, for a Christian, we begin with a destination. We are already clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Now what God is saying, because you are already made into a new lump without leaven, purge out the old leaven so that you can indeed be a new lump. So it's a process. Okay, you slowly take out. And it's a process of of exercising uh, your will, I mean submitting your will to God's will, that you would ask him, Lord, I want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, for it is you who is working in me to will and to obey. You surrender your will. And slowly, one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time, those things will become, uh, you know, uh, they'll be gone over a period of time and also character of Jesus would have been formed. Now you become a good steward of God's resources. You say, I don't want to go that route anymore. I don't want to get get myself into debt. I don't want to buy things which I don't need. I don't want to become, uh, what do you say, uh, uh, what do you say, what is that? Imp- uh, impetuous shopper. Okay. Uh, that that I just indiscriminately spend money. I, 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 I'll become a good steward of God's resources. So, these, these are, so don't lose heart. Okay. There is a lot of things that you that you want God to help you with. And God is actually helping you. Whether you realize it or not. If you are God, part of God, He wants and loves your deliverance more than you love your deliverance. What you are looking is for 
You know what? Alleviation from the problem. But God is looking for the problem never to come back again. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, there is a there is a there is a way to get rid of your disease, but there is another way to stay healthy. Okay, for that you need to value health. Okay, so he's do, he's doing that. So don't lose heart. And then he goes on, verse two, saying there is a there in the, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard a man nor. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. You know, in the last days, every thought and what? Intention of man's heart is evil continually. No, and also elect will keep on going back to God until they overcome a particular area continually. People are disciplined in doing evil. We need to be disciplined in doing good. Next verse. And then what it says. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said and shall not God not avenge his what? Own elect. You see that? Who cry out night and day to him, though he bears long with them. And then he says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find this kind of people on earth? So how do you know this kind of faith on earth? How do you know that you're a part of God's elect? You are always praying till you get your deliverance. You are always praying, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, I am your son. I've been justified by you. I am not going to excuse any of my areas. I messed up Lord, but now I know that I'm your child. I'm going to allow your spirit to work through me until I've been made clean in every area of my life. There's a, there you are not giving up and you're continuously praying and praying and praying and seeking the face of God. He's saying, look at this. There's an unjust judge who says, okay, fine. I'm going to grant that justice because of our importunity. How much more God? You see, that's an argument from the lesser to the greater. God is, is God unjust? No. That's the reason why he says, God, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will repay, uh, you will uh, reap if you do not grow weary. For God is not unjust to forget your labor of love, which you show and that you continue showing. It says what in, it says in Galatians chapter 6, right? So continue to show, continue to do, keep on doing what you're supposed to do. Okay, don't give up. Don't give up. One of the things that we need to do. So Lord, let me not give up. If I'm a part of the elect, so there's one attitude inside of me. You know what? Relentlessness. I'll not give up. Once I've set my mind on that thing, I'm not going to give up. Okay? So, these are perilous times. And God says, for the sake of that elect, I'm going to shorten those days. And we know... How, I'm just give you a few things as to how we can be sure that we are a part of God's select. And then if we are a part of God's select, we need to also have a particular set of characteristics, right? We looked at that from Genesis chapter 49. Let's read from verse 1. Verse 1 and 2, that's enough. Because in the last days, perilous times are coming and we need to have a particular trait today. Okay, Jacob called his sons gathered to, and said, gather together that I might tell you, uh, we'll look at a particular character today, a particular tribe. I'm going to, uh, 
ask you to guess it, okay? And uh, Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear your sons of Jacob and listen to Israel, your father. Now, he's pronouncing a blessing. How is he pronouncing a blessing? By showing them the negative and the positive. Okay. Don't have, see, if you have the, like, it's like this, no, God says, no, these are the things which are wrong in your life. It's a blessing. Ah, everything is okay. Ah, you're fantastic. That is what a deceiver does. And ultimately, when you go to the exam, so many toppers are like that. Are you kuch nahi pada re, me kuch nahi pada. Na? They also, are you, I don't know anything. You know better than me. Finally, when you go to the exam, that fellow would have been one, one topper and you are like the fool over there. No? It, has it happened to you? Oh yeah, it has happened to me. Okay. So many times, that fellow. And he will deceive you till then. That's exactly what the enemy does. Are you are so good, Ray. You know so many things. I don't know anything. Okay, so don't, those are the words of the enemy, okay. So always you need to understand God in his blessing, when he is actually telling us some things which are wrong in our life, it is a blessing. Attitudes which you're not supposed to have, it is a blessing. So Genesis chapter 49 is talking about what kind of attitudes we need to have so that we can overcome in these perilous times. So, Let's go back now to Matthew chapter 28, uh, uh, 8, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28 onwards. And, and uh, you can keep uh, parallelly, you can also look at uh, Mark's gospel chapter 5, verse 1 to 21, and Luke's gospel chapter 8 also. We'll see. First we'll go to go through uh, Matthew chapter 8, and I'll tell you where we can stop. When he had come to the other side, that is after, you know, calming the storm, you remember? He comes on to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, and in your Bible, uh, Gergesen is actually a translation of Gadarenes. Okay, so who are in, what, which tribe do these people belong to? The tribe of Gad. Okay, alright, okay, just keep that, keep that in mind. So now we know, I've given you a clue which tribe we are going to talk about today. Okay, because in terms, in, in connection with, in conjunction with the last days, we are looking at a particular tribe. Gadarenes. When he came to the other side of the country of the Gadarenes, so let me just read it, read it that way. Gadarenes, they met him Two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. Okay, that means they were, they were, no one could pass that way means no one could approach them. That is one of the attributes they had. And suddenly they cried out saying. Turn to Mark's Gospel chapter 5. How many people did they, did he encounter? Two. Okay, that's a detail that I want you to look at and nobody could pass that way. That means they were so fierce, they would just fall on you, beat you up. Okay. First thing, that is the first, first observation that I want you to make. Let's go now to Mark's, Mark's gospel, chapter one, five and verse one onwards. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the, out of the boat, immediately there met out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who was dwelling among the tombs who had who, and no one could bind them, not even with chains. 
And then, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anybody tame him. He was absolutely untamable. Okay. And night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So, so many details giving over, given over here. The details which I wanted to, want you to uh, uh, notice. First detail, there were two men. Second detail, nobody could pass by that way. Extremely violent. Third detail, they were without clothes. Okay. Fourth detail, they did not have a house. Fifth, okay. Uh, they were, um, they were, no, no, I didn't answer. No, no, no. Uh, they, they, they were untamable. First thing, he was untamable. He was untamable. He had demonic strength. Nobody could tame him. Okay. And he would break these chains. He was untamable. Demonic strength, nobody could control him, and we all are able to see this. This is this is the characteristic of that person. Okay, I'm not going to say anything uh, other than that. Okay, uh, he lived among tombs. Now go to Luke's Gospel chapter eight, and a few more details I want to I want to add today. Let's go back to Luke's Gospel chapter eight. And now it came to uh, this is verse twenty four onwards. So sorry. Uh, 26 onwards, 26 onwards. Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verse 26 on. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the, on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a, ah, for a long time. So it's another detail which has been given over here. And he wore no clothes. That is the detail. He did not live in a house, but in tombs. Okay, let us now, uh, summarize all the details of these people. Okay. First detail. Two people. Second detail. Extremely violent. Third detail. No clothes. Fourth detail. No house. Fifth detail. Living among tombs. Sixth detail. Untamable. Untamable. Okay. Seventh detail. Even if you try to tame him, would break. Third detail, he was cutting himself. So, eight detail. Eight details given. So incredible. Tormented by violent spirit. First thing, there's a spirit of violence in him. They were unclean spirits. And how many unclean spirits are there? They asked him the question, Legion. That means at least 6,000 demons. How many demons? 6,000. What was he? Unclothed. Now think about this, my dear brothers and sisters. We are living in a generation which, which exalts nakedness. Isn't it? Okay. Which exalts nakedness. Or clothes which little, which leave very little to the imagination. Second, he did not have a home. What is a home? 
or a house i mean that word house uh, which is rendered as house it also can mean home lot of people have houses but they don't don't they don't have homes what does it signify home signifies two things there is love and there is discipline now we are living in a generation either there is a lot too much of love and no discipline at all or too much of discipline and no love at all or none of the above no love no discipline no parents no authority so we have an unclothed generation we have a generation which has no home to go back to third they are living among he was living among what tombs what does tomb signify there is deadness all around both spiritual here in this case spiritual i mean there's absolute deadness all around you know one particular church jesus says you have a reputation that you are alive but you are dead there's deadness all around why have they reached this position of deadness turn with me to proverbs chapter 9 verse 17 and 18 proverbs chapter 9 verse 17 and 18 stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant is what they thought but he does not know that the dead are there and our guests are in the depths of sheol why why did you reach this point because you drank stolen waters and you ate bread in secret now let me not go into the details of what those stolen waters are that's what folly shouts from the from the rooftops stolen waters are sweet bread eaten in secret is pleasant so many secret sins people have done and done and done and done and now what they where are they now they are among absolute spiritual deadness living among dead men what is dead what is tombs mean that's what you know what 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 uh, jesus called the pharisees you are what tomb what kind you are whitewashed tombs okay Imagine calling Pharisees whitewashed tombs. You, everything is good on the external, but deep down inside, you are full of dead man's bones and all kinds of uncleanness. So, look at the details now. What is this guy? This guy, he is unclothed. He has no home. Third, he is living among absolute spiritual deadness. And what has he been over? powered with with 6000 demons why did you reach this point oh long back your forefathers made a decision why and what decision they made the tribe of gad the tribe of ruben and half the tribe of manasseh said we will sit on this side of jordan okay we will go we don't want to have anything to do with the promised land now the promised land is where god's presence has been guaranteed you leave yourself and come out of the promised land you are an open target to the enemy you have left the presence of god now what has happened you are you have come to a point in your life where you are absolutely unclothed spiritually second there is no home 
to go back to because there is nobody to love you and nobody to discipline you. So there are so many churches where they either only love you and never discipline you or they only discipline you or never love you but they do not provide both the fatherly spirit and the motherly spirit. That's exactly what Paul says. As mothers we nursed you and as fathers we exhorted you. Both is required. So what has happened? This man now, he is overpowered by demonic oppression. And what is happening? What is he doing now? He is absolutely stubborn. Nobody can overpower him. And he's extremely violent. Have you seen certain people? You can, if you go into them yourself, you should be scared. Uh, can you talk to that person? No, 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 Baba. I don't know what will happen to him. If I go to him, he might even shout at me. He has uncontrollable anger. Uncontrollable anger. Demonic strength. In other words, it doesn't matter how many arguments you give about the gospel, he will never, ever, ever, ever submit himself. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 24 to 26. What does it say? A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach patiently in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now he is defining those people who are in opposition. What are the attributes? If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may turn, uh, that they may know the truth and and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That's exactly what has happened to this guy. He's now absolutely uncontrollable. He's, no, he's got this incredible demonic strength. You cannot put him down with fetters. And then he's always cutting himself. But he's have a suicidal spirit. You know what? Actually, when you cut yourself, all the demons like blood, basically it's all demonic. Why did he reach this point? Simply because he didn't have a home. He loved pleasure. And over a period of time, the spirit of violence took over. You didn't have a home. You know, that is the reason why a spirit of Elijah has to come. What will the spirit of Elijah do? It restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. You don't have to give your people, your children a big house. They need a home. Do we have a home? Or do we have a house? If, if you have a home, even one room is enough. One room is enough. You can live happily without debt. Debt free life with one room, isn't it, isn't it enjoyable life? It get, you get up in the morning with your mind, absolutely, I don't owe anybody any money. I am content with whatever I have. My rent is only 3000 rupees. Everybody else is paying 40,000 rupees, 50,000 rupees. My life is simple. Simple life, happy life. But on the other hand, what people have done, literally in this generation, roti, kapada, makan, no. Roti, kapada, do makan, do gadi. And therefore what? In order to justify and to meet the needs of that particular lifestyle, both parents have to work. 
And what has happened? No, the children don't have a home to come back to. They have only a house where people, we don't even know what the children have in their hands. They are spoiled. They are not loved. And therefore we have an uncontrollable generation. And and the fact of the matter is, when they go back, they are living among, among tombs. They are all dead, spiritually. Nobody to empower them and to encourage them and to exhort them and to challenge them spiritually. And where is this happening? In a place called Gadaria, which is of, which belongs to the tribe of Gadarenes. Now, let us, and what kind of, in, how many, how many, how many, uh, 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 demons did that fellow have? 6,000, a legion, a troop of demons oppressing him. What did I say? A troop of demons oppressing him. Legion means an army. A troop. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 49 and verse 19. (laughs) Can we read that together please? Are you there? Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him. But he shall triumph at last. Kya baath Kya baat hai? Isn't the Bible amazing? <laughs> Super, no? You see, Jacob in his vision, prophetic vision, he's able to see the days of the Messiah where one of his sons, children, tribes, will be overpowered by demonic oppression. Simply because of the choices taken by their parents. And it is a reflection of our society too. An uncontrollable generation. Given over to passions. Even if you bind them with fetters, they will break their fetters. They will always fight for inkalab, zindabad, lal salam, lal salam, lal salam. They have no home to go back to. Not just in the West, it's happening even in India now. We'll say, you know what, yeah, in the West, uh, so many people have broken homes, etc. Yes, it's true. The whole world is a gadera. A gadera. A troop of demons trampling upon. Why? Why? How did you reach this point, Gadara? Jeremiah 49, verse 1. Jeremiah, this is unbelievable stuff, okay? Look at this, okay? (laughs) Against the Ammonites, thus says the Lord. If you have the NIV also, keep it, keep it ready, okay? Okay, against the Ammonites, okay, against the Ammonites, says the Lord. Let's read this together. Against the Ammonites, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, has Israel no sons? He has no heir? Why then does Milcom inherit Gad? What is Milcom? Demon. And his people dwell in its cities. Who is your king? 
Milkam. Okay, what? Who's that Milkam Baba? Turn to uh, you will see the NIV translation which is rendered over here. Aha, exactly. Look at what it says. Concerning the Ammonites, this is what the Lord said. Has Israel no sons? Has he, has she no heirs? Why then has Molech taken possession of Gad? You know what has happened to you, Gad? Molech has taken possession of you. How did Molech take possession of you? Leviticus chapter 18 verse 21. And Leviticus chapter 20 verse 30 to 5, uh, verses 3 to 5. Leviticus 18, 21. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. What have you done? You have done two things. You have literally taken your next generation and offered it to the God Molech. Now let me tell you something. Now this can be this this can be interpreted in a very very gross way, where you have an entire like yesterday Pastor was talking about an entire entire industry of abortion where people are sacrificing by the millions babies to the goddess Molech. Now that is something which can be seen ostensibly, right? Something which you know, I mean, this is something which is absolutely gross, right? But what about parents who have sacrificed their children on the altar of the carriers? Think about that. We have modern day Moloks, subtle Moloks, where you don't have a home. <laughs> we have a house. We don't have a home. For that, you need to make tough decisions. You know, for that, you need to ensure, Lord, I don't want this high lifestyle. I want to bring down my lifestyle so that I can, in some way, Mentor my children because that is important. Otherwise, I will have a generation which is given over to the spirit of Gadera of the Molech. Molech has become your king. Molech is your God. You have sacrificed your next generation on the altar of carriers. Boy, isn't it very difficult for us in the modern day generation where career is one of our idols? What you do and who you are in this world is your identity. Isn't it important for us to satisfy that idol of identity? What are you? I'm a professor. What are you? I'm a CEO of a company. I'm a software engineer. You've forgotten the fact that you are a child of God. Now you are... Career defines your identity and because now that has become your idol, what are you doing? You're literally taking your children and offering them over to the idol of career. That has become your Molech. And therefore people have no house and there is no love, there is no discipline and therefore, see true love always disciplines and true discipline also loves. You cannot discipline without love and you cannot love without discipline. Both of them go hand in hand together. That is the reason why Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 12, if you are without correction, you are not normal sons, you are illegitimate sons. And I have to correct you because I love you. 
That is how, do not forget the exhortation of, uh, the, uh, uh, of sons, whom the father loves, he chastens. So both is important. You have a love and you have a discipline. And if you don't have a home, you have a children who have been completely given to a rebellious spirit, essentially. Now, you, what you see is just a small fraction, but over a period of time, subtly that will increase and it's, they'll have self-will. It's it becomes absolutely difficult to tame them. They become untamable. It's an untamable generation, isn't it? The whole world is a gadera. The whole world is a gadera. Jesus says, if, I mean, in James chapter 3, he says, all the other animals have been tamed and one animal has not been tamed is your tongue. We have an untamable tongue, a slanderous spirit. Why? Simply because we are gadarenes and we don't realize that. See, he says, if you are able to control your tongue, you are able to control your whole body. Right? If you have an uncontrollable tongue, even if you have a body which is ostensibly tamed, that's what people think, but it is not. You are also a gallery because you have an untamable tongue. Right? See, that is the reason why how scripture exhorts be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. You see, why do we have an angry generation, a generation which is extremely violent? It says every thought and intention of the heart was evil continually and the earth was filled with what? Violence? Isn't it what we glorify in every movie, every web series? Two things we glorify, sex and violence. Without sex, and in fact, after the, after the, after the, after the advent of, of web series, all restraints have been taken off. And even Indian cinema and Indian entertainment has become absolutely debaucherous. Absolutely obscene, because there is no control by the sense of word anymore. Web series can be, anything can be, can be sold. It's horrible. Horrible, horrible. Things you'd never even imagine would have and would, would be a part of Indian cinema. Those days, no? When the, when the woman and uh, the girl would come together, suddenly two flowers will come. Right? Remember old cinema? Or she would come and hug like this. Or when, you know, just, the camera just switches off. Because we are a people very conservative, Indians. But now it's, all restraints are gone. We in India have become Gadara. We've tried to blame the West, but we have exported all of that into our own lives. And we have a gatherer right here in our computers. And we can't even control our appetites as far as this is concerned. Gatherer. Trampled by what? A troop. 6,000. Isn't it amazing how scripture shows what are we in this generation, a legion over our lives. Many people don't even realize that actually. In fact, they've because of the forefathers' sins, the children suffer. It's a fact. It is an absolutely absolute fact. Your forefathers offered you to Molech and what has happened? Your next generations have become captive to a legion of demons. Swines are an unclean animal, right? You know, it is just, you are, what kind of spirits this fellow had? 
What kind of spirits? Unclean spirits. Why did you have unclean spirits? Simple. I mean, swine. Unclean. Same thing. And now think about it. Jesus comes. Jesus delivers. Those people say, Oh, we lost all our swine. Jesus leave. Lost all the swine. You know why? Because money has become the next God. That has become your idol. Literally, you have sacrificed your generation to the idol of success, money, career, and you have forgotten your homes. You know, we are all vulnerable to that. We are not pointing fingers at anybody. Okay, We as a church, we are examining ourselves ruthlessly. To see what is what is the idol in our own heart. What have we sacrificed our children to? Which idol did we sacrifice the children to? Our moleks are different. Not necessarily that you are putting them on fire, but that fire is consuming them in a very different way. They have been consumed by the fire of lust. Why? Because simply because we feed them stuff. Because we don't control them. Because we ourselves are not controllable. Right? And therefore, there's a legion on our children simply because there's a legion over our lives. What is ruling our children is something which is ostensibly ruling, uh, which is ostensibly ruling our children is ruling our minds, our thought processes. The demon of the mind is much more difficult to drive out than the demon of the flesh. Ideas are very difficult to be imp- uh, to be uprooted than the demons of the flesh. Demons of the flesh can go like that, but how do, how do you uproot ideas? So why does he, why does he, why does he, how has he become like that? Simply because you had a generation which loved money more than they loved God. The priorities are all messed up. God is giving us a chance as a church. As a church, as individuals, we are not going to look at others. We are going to do a thorough examination of our life, of our own lives. You know, one of the most difficult decisions for me to agree to after I got married is when we had a first baby. Like Abigail was born, Justin and I were working and like, boy, we were like spending left, right and center. Our lives were like in a different realm altogether. And suddenly once we had, once Justin conceived and then, you know, we had to make a decision. She said, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. And I was fighting a tooth and nail. Comforts. And I thank God, no, for mothers who have made a decision to stay back home to be, be that influence in their children's lives. I really thank God. There's nothing worth, I mean, God is not gonna ask, ask about those things. He's gonna ask, the children that you have born unto me, what have you done to them? Like we, we looked at Ezekiel yesterday, in Ezekiel chapter 16. The children that they have born unto me, they have offered it to who? Molech. That's exactly what we do. But the priorities that we have in our own lives. We may not be, we may not, we may be loving, we may be kind, we may be gentle, but most of the time our priorities are our children have to be successful in the world. So what we do, we also love them, care for them, are kind with them, we discipline them. Why? Because they have to become successful in the world. Our idol is still success and what other people will think about me. And money. So that is also a sacrifice in a much more subtle way. 
where we don't care about the spiritual progress of the child. So question is, did you identify your Molech? Leviticus chapter 20 now. Let us look at this. Let us look at how Jesus is so serious about this. Verse 3. I mean, God is serious. I will set my face against that man and cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. You see, why is, is, is it amazing? Why is it, why is it that so many people are not being delivered because God's face is against them? Simple. Fourth, verse 4. And if the people of the, what? Of the land should in any way hide that phrase from that man. You can see, that's exactly what has happened. This fellow has been given over to demons, demonic oppression, and the entire people of the land are closing their eyes. They're saying, no, 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 no. We don't want anybody to touch our merchandise, please. Please, please, please don't touch our markets. Our markets should not be destroyed. Let our children go to, go to hell. Doesn't matter. Verse 4, look at that. And the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from that man who gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him. I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him who commit harlotry with Molech. You see what has happened? This is exactly the problem at Gadara. People have kept quiet. Okay, it's okay, don't. See, because it's very, very difficult, you know. See, when you actually confront them, you have to first confront your own life. When you tell something to others, first of all, you have to pay the price. Now, I cannot come and say, you know what, uh, you guys who are married, you have to stay, stay at home and you have to give time to your husband, I mean, to your children, if my family and my wife and I are not having that as a priority. But if that is not our priority, even if somebody's family is, you know, if the children are getting destroyed, okay, so I said, okay, okay, don't, don't say anything. Because if I go there, then I have to change my life. I have to set my priorities right. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 35. Why? So much to learn about our generation. Why are we having the situations in our lives? Simply because we have not set our priorities straightened up with God. He says, the earth was made in six days. Therefore, six days you shall work and seventh day you shall rest. So by the time you, you, you make that priority to go on, go to church on a day of Sabbath, what are you actually proclaiming to the whole world? I do not believe in evolution. I believe in creation. In, in Deuteronomy it says, you shall work for six days and the seventh day you shall rest because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I delivered you. So what are you declaring? I was bought with a price and I have to serve my God because my life is not my own. Two things you are doing. What's, what's verse 35 of Jeremiah? And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to and cause Judah to sin. The whole world has committed, I mean the whole tribe of Judah has been, has committed sin now. 
You know why? Because they have offered their children to the idol of Molech. That Molech could be anything in your life. Identify your Molech, my dear brothers and sisters. What is your Molech? What is your Molech? There are good Moleks and bad Moleks, but they are all Moleks. They are an abomination to the Lord. Oh, if I don't work, how? what will happen to my family? How to support my family? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't believe that, right? Because you don't want to seek the the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have to pay a price and you don't want to pay a price. And when Jesus comes, he will disturb you. And therefore, what you will do? Please, 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 please go. Boy, that is gad. The first part. How many gatherings over here? <laughs> and people in who who's listening online. Let's go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 49 now. Verse 19. Let's read, let's see the first part. Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him. But thank God, he shall triumph at last. How? How, 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 how? <laughs> you need to know now. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Verse 20 and 21. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Look at the first one. Blessed is he who enlarges God. Who is the person who enlarged God? Yeshu and Sarath. So Jesus comes. And he says, unclean spirit, come out of him. Boy, see, when truly the gospel has come into your life, it will expose every idol in your life. Turn to Acts chapter 26. Verse 18 onwards. To open their eyes. In order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. What has happened to this guy? Given over and been trampled by a legion of demons. The problem is, these demons are there, can, you can see. But there are so many people who are stubborn in their mind. Do you know that? First Samuel chapter 15 verse 23. Look at how God defines idolatry. We need to go to the definition of the, in the Bibles to search for what idolatry means, right? For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as Iniquity and idolatry. Rebellion and stubbornness go together. And when you are into rebellion and into stubbornness, you are already operating under the realm of witchcraft. And it is a work of the flesh. How do I know it? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 onwards. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Your translation says sorcery. Other translation says witchcraft. You see, isn't it interesting? Do you think uh, randomly he put enumerate the uh, the fundamental laws, like fundamental uh, fundamental rights of the of the citizen of India? You can enumerate them in any order. As long as you enumerate all of them, you'll get hundred marks. In the Bible, enumeration is not by accident. Everything has a order. Look at how it goes. First, he says adultery. Then close fornication, then close uncleanness, then close lewdness, then close, then you have idolatry and sorcery going together. You see the order over there? And then he says rebellion as is a sin of witchcraft, which is, which is sorcery here. And then you have what? In stubbornness as iniquity as idolatry. Now look at this. Let us, ex- let us re- replace idolatry and witchcraft with what 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 23 says. Okay, let us go from the beginning. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, stubbornness, rebellion. Oh, you see now? No, again, rebellion comes from a, from a Hebrew word, mara. What does that mean? Bitterness. No, let us again, let's go back to the whole list again. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, stubbornness, rebellion, bitterness. Ah. So there are stubborn demons there. Untamable. There are stubborn demons in the mind which are even more dangerous. Some people you don't, they are bent upon their ways. Stubborn. Stubborn. They will not change. Even if Jesus Christ were to come and stand next to him, he will not change. I don't think that will happen anyway. If you come and see. Okay, I don't want to say those things, okay. Uh, that's a very, <laughs> that's a hyperbole, okay. That's only a hyperbole, okay. <laughs> Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, etc., etc., etc. Stubbornness. See, when you have stubbornness, bitterness, rebellion, you're already in the realm of idolatry and witchcraft. You're already operating in the demonic realm. And these are all here in the mind. Stubborn Bolato, they are stubborn because they have made an idol of their own opinion. Isn't it? And nothing's going to change them. Isn't it true? So, Gad, what happened to you? You've been given over and been trampled by a legion. So how should you be delivered? By the gospel. And what is the gospel? The very presence of Jesus Christ is the gospel. Jesus Christ is, you know, the moment, uh, he, Jesus Christ lands on the, on the shore, it says that fellow started shouting. <laughs> I like that, no? In fact, it says because he has commanded the, unclean spirit to come out of the man. Now, I don't know when Jesus did it. Jesus was just, you know, he never shouts. You know, he doesn't do any show off. Whenever people manifest, he says, shh, shh, please come out. Slowly, come out, get out. Get out in Jesus' name, that's all. 
I mean, he doesn't say Jesus' name because he's Jesus, okay? And get, get out. He says, get, get out. Nowadays, you say, in the name of Jesus, hey, why, we don't know who's the, who's the demon over here, this guy or that guy. Because they're, just because they raise their voices, they think that they have authority. You know, authority comes because of a clean life. Not because you raise a voice. Authority comes not because you have a gift. It is because you have a life before God. Authority comes because you not only know the name of Jesus, Jesus knows you. And the demonic realm knows you. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who the heck are you? Authority. Okay. So that is something which all of us, when we are young, we have to practice. Okay. So that when God has to ever give us a ministry of deliverance into our hands, we know what, how effective we can be in the ministry of deliverance. Okay. But unfortunately, half the church doesn't even know that there's something like demonic. Oh, all those things have gone with the apostolic age. Okay. Dr. Richard. Now we have uh, extremely brilliant. Now we have constructed Princeton, Harvard, MIT, Caltech, and we have uh, graduated Nobel laureates by the dozens. What are you talking about? The demonic? Come on, you are a primitive dum dum. That's exactly what. That's exactly what the enemy wants to think about. Wants him. Wants you to think about him. I'm not there. I'm not there. You know something, half, I mean, we, we are not exalting demonology, okay? Don't misunderstand me. But you know, the church doesn't even talk about this. But we have a generation which has been given over to violence. You think it's normal? You think what is going on in this world is normal? That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> See, we don't need to have arguments. We need a demonstration of the spirit and of its power. This, this lady with the spirit of divination is following Saul. I mean, so Paul and Barnabas, he looks at, Paul and Silas, and he looks at them, you spirit, just leave, gone. And he looks at that sorcerer, you enemy of all unrighteousness, you son of the, I mean, you friend of the devil, you will be blind in the name of Jesus. That fellow starts going blind like that. You know, that is what authority is. But you, we all study the letters of Paul, but we don't have the authority of Paul. That is what we call as apostolic authority. Oh, it's gone with the apostolic age. What nonsense. Think about it. How idiotic that argument is, no? Think about it. We are living in a life, in a generation which there the demonic has increased. More. The whole nation is today, for example. Do you think it's normal? And we, we, we have Theology, we have a uh, small booklet on, uh, yeah, there is something called as uh, spiritual warfare, but that is where, okay, that is not for the rest of the church. We just have to leave it there like that, no? You don't confront the spirit of the power of the age. You see, you know what authority is? Authority is not, doesn't come with arguments. It is not by convincing people about the gospel. You know what it is? It is exposing people's heart. That's what Paul, Paul, Paul tells us in the first Corinthians chapter 4, 14. He says, when prophecy happens, when the guy 
who comes in them in your midst and when you start prophesying what happens the secrets of his heart are revealed and he falls flat on his face and he says god is in your midst that is what we call as authority uh you know what do you think about uh, uh, justification by faith alone hey you you beat up your wife you are nasty to your children you are a, you steal money from your office you steal money from your home you rebel against your parents and now you are coming to me and telling oh what is justification by faith alone you know that is authority get me a husband i don't have a husband i know you are have five husbands and the person you are living with is sixth your is, is the with, with, uh, with the sixth one is not even your husband i know that you don't have a husband i know you have answered it truly oh Lord, i know that i know now i know that you are a prophet that is authority <laughs> you see this is what we call no what are we doing in this day and age of how to live successfully in our careers how to witness at workplace all that is fine but when you go to the workplace do they tremble because your value systems they see the authority over your life you see you've lost that saints we have lost that in our generation what we are doing is arguing with people when we have to demonstrate the power of god we have such a relationship with god we have such a love for god for people that god is willing to tell us what the problem it with with each one of us that is the reason why he says morning by morning you awaken me and you gave me the tongue of the learned so that i can speak a word in season to those who are weary a bruised reed i will not break a smoking flax flax i will not put off but truth i will not compromise i will tell you what exactly you're going through because you know what i have authority that is what we are talking about that is what we are talking about that is what we need to seek that is where we go back to the word of god and ask god to examine our lives otherwise you know what will happen we will have arguments we will have stubborn spirits and we would have actually given our next generation over to the spirit of gadari get it so we need the gospel let's go back to deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 20 blessed is he who enlarges gad meaning gad was what is what is enlarging mean you experience freedom right that's what it means when you're constrained in one small place are you experiencing freedom no what is it enlarging means you experience freedom what is he saying blessed is the one who gives gad freedom from demonic oppression and who is that person was one person jesus the gospel gospel is the power of god you know what the gospel can do it says god who commanded light 
to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. That is the gospel. What did he say? Let there be light. No arguments. Finished. Over. Darkness had to flee. No arguing with the darkness. What is your name? How long were you here? No. Let there be light. Period. And there was light. That is what we are talking about. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 32 onwards. Let's read that. 31 actually. 31 onwards. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And was, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants and we have been, never been bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, you will be made free? And you know what Jesus says? Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. You're all slaves. Slaves. You have a form of godliness. That's what I'm saying. Perilous times will come. Men will be so and so, so and so, so and so, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, non-lovers of God, having a what? A form of godliness. The problem is, you go to church. Isn't it interesting that whenever Jesus went to the synagogues, the demons started manifesting? That means demons were happily sitting comfortably in the synagogues, where the exposition of the word of God was going on. Nice exposition. <laughs> Isn't amazing, isn't it? Isn't unbelievable? It's unbelievable that demons are absolutely comfortable in the synagogue. What is synagogue? A meeting place. What is the church? A meeting place. And what has happened in these last days? Demons are comfortable in the church. Happy. At home. Not even being challenged one bit. And we are not talking about just... We are, see, the problem is, if demons are in the flesh, is okay. Now we have demonic doctrines. Where are they? In the head. How can you get rid of that? Like Pastor James keeps saying, right? Once you have a demonic doctrine which has gone into your head, it is very, very difficult to get it out. Get it out. Now think about it. Israel was divided into two, two kingdoms, right? Okay. Northern kingdom called Israel under whom? Jeroboam. Southern kingdom under whom? Rehoboam. Now southern kingdom was Judah. They had Jerusalem. Now Jeroboam said, what will happen? All these people of mine, they will go out to the other side and now nobody will be able, no, nobody will worship me and I will lose my kingdom. Finished. He thought in his heart. And what did he do? He made one calf here, one calf there, one in Dan, one in Bethel and he said, these are the gods who saved you out of Egypt, O Israel. Now, he caused the entire nation to sin. Now, every other subsequent sin, uh, subsequent king, no matter how godly he is, he never is able to get rid of the sins of Jeroboam. You see the entire narrative of the kings? They go back to the sins of Jeroboam. They go back. To, it says, even Jehu, four generations he has, is never able to get rid of the sin of Jeroboam. You know why? Once false doctrine establishes itself, it becomes a stronghold, stubborn spirit, not able to get out. That is the reason why it's very important how you started. Very Sometimes it's very important. Honestly, very important. So that you know that your conversion is genuine. 
where you are really experiencing freedom. You know, a free, a free person is a person when he, when what he is doing, he loves to do what he does, when what he is doing is what he ought to do. That is a free person. He loves to do, for example, he loves righteousness. And doing righteousness is the right thing to do. Then he is really free. But if he loves lawlessness and is being forced to do righteousness, then he is what? Not free. Even if he is doing forcibly righteousness, he doesn't like it. He is not enlarged. You see? Because he is forced. So what a lot of people are, a lot of children, so they go to church, they don't like to go to church, they are forced to go to church, and once they are experienced some freedom, finished, gone. I don't think uh, that I believe in God anymore. They'll come to church, and then they'll go somewhere else. After one semester, they'll come back home. Pastor, I don't think uh, I believe in God anymore. You know what Pastor will say immediately? Who's that girl? Who's that girl? How did you know? Normal. Normal. You see, because you are, you know that you are living in sin. Therefore, you want there not to be any God so that you can enjoy your sin. He who has ears, let him hear. Blessed is the way you enlarges God. So what does Jesus do? Says, delivers him. Oh, where does he send him? He sends him to the place where swine are. You know what? Swine actually represents the merchandise which has caused this entire problem. So, they're all killed. Right? They're all dead. Which is killed? Swine are killed. He is delivered. Now what is he? He in his right mind it says. What happened to the other fellow? What happened to you? Weren't there two who got delivered? It says one was clothed in his right mind and what was he doing? He was at the feet of Jesus. You see, it's just not enough to be delivered. It's important that you keep your deliverance. So let's now turn to uh, Genesis chapter 49 and let's read that particular verse 19 and let's see how this fellow can overcome. Gathered troops shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. How? How is he going to triumph at last? You know how he is going to triumph at last? By becoming a disciple of Jesus. You know what he says? Lord, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Turn to First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 8. I'll tell you how you, how you triumph at last. Let's all read it together. <laughs> okay. Some Gadites joined David, it says. This is your uh, NKJV, huh? Okay, no, go to uh, NIV maybe. NIV? I like the, I like the NIV. Some Gadites defected to David. I like that. 
where were you supposed to be on this side of jordan where do you want to go now i want to go to the other side of jordan with my david who's david symbolic of here christ now go back to just keep this this there and go back to deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 20 and 21 20, 20, 20, that 20 is enough. Uh, and about Gad, he said, Blessed is he who enlarges Gad's domain. Gad lives there like a lion, tearing at arm or head. Now go back to First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8 onwards. Okay, just keep that. Some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the desert. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, able to handle a shield and spear. Their faces like were the faces of what? A lion. And they were as swift as gazelles in the mountains. You know what now they have happened? They have become an army who fights in like anything. They are not only fighting with David, they are fighting for David. That is interesting. Hmm. Let's go back to Mark's gospel now. <sighs> Chapter 5 and verse 16 onwards. <coughs> Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs also. <laughs> It's very interesting, right? I like the detail over here. <laughs> they told about what happened to this guy. They also told about the pigs. Now they are asking the question, what is important to you, the man or the pigs? You see, some people love uncleanness. You can't do anything about them. It's like Pharaoh. When do you want the frogs to be out from your place, from your palace? Tomorrow. Let me enjoy one last time, no? One last, I'll enjoy one last pleasure. The question is, the people have gone back. You know what? The demon-possessed man was delivered. Oh, we also lost your pigs. What is your take? Boy, it's very, very difficult for a people to stay delivered if they love their sin. You see, it's one of the most dangerous things to do. What happens to this guy? I mean, the people, they say, next verse. Verse 17. Just, let, just let's read verse 17 only. They Then they began to plead with him to depart from his region. We don't want the gospel of deliverance over here. We are happy with our uncleanness. That's what it means. We are happy with our uncleanness. We don't want you to challenge our uncleanness in our hearts. Your very presence will challenge our uncleanness. We don't want. Now what, what they do? They don't Chuck out Jesus, they will leave the church. Or they go to another place, wherever they are not challenged. Because they like their sin. They like their 
merchandise. They like their merchandise than they like their soul who was saved, who has been saved. Isn't it interesting? When one sin repents, there is a celebration in heaven. And when one sin has repented, there is mourning on earth. That is the irony. One sinner has repented, there is a celebration in heaven. And one sinner has repented, there is a mourning on earth because they have lost their goods. <laughs> they have lost their goods. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? They lost their goods. Jesus has literally consumed all their goods. <laughs> you see that? Interesting. What is important to you? Deliverance of your children? Or deliverance? You know, that is the reason why so many people, they don't want their spouses to get delivered. They like their spouses to be drunkards. Once this fellow is delivered and he's on fire for God, they don't like that. He was better without Christ. I've seen that. You know why? Because they don't want anybody to come and topple their apple cart and challenge their value systems and their priorities. I like this. I like my swine. If you like your swine, it doesn't matter if Jesus comes and delivers you from uncleanness, you will go back and it will be now what? Worse than before. So what happens to this guy? Verse 18. However, Jesus, and he's, when he got into the boat, he, uh, he who had been demon possessed, only one guy, okay? The other guy is gone. Begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had, what on you? Compassion. What, are they, what does it mean? This guy was just not delivered. He repented of his sins also. You see. He repented of his sins. Okay. He turned from his evil ways. That is the reason why it says he was clothed and in his right mind. What is repentance? A change of mind. He not only just got rid of all the demons in his body, he also got rid of all the demons or rather, the thoughts which allowed the demons in his body. Why? It is the compassion of God that leads you to repentance. So what does he do? Next verse. He defects to David's side. No? <laughs> he says, now when Jesus has crossed over again by the boat onto the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And the next verse. And behold, oh, no, it's verse 20. Verse 20, 20, 20, like it was 20. You've missed 20. And he, yeah, and he departed and began to proclaim in Deco. You know what Decopolis means? Decum and Sten. Metropolis. Decopolis means 10 cities. He became an evangelist. Why now? He's fighting like a lion for souls. He's fighting like a lion for souls. Gad was trampled upon. Now he shall triumph at last. 
Amazing, isn't it? But you know what? If you do not, so that is what happened to only one guy. What about the other guy? Second Chronicles, oh, sorry, Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 20. Onwards. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 20 onwards. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, hmm, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I told you there were two. Okay. For if they have escaped the corrupt the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are entangled in them and overcome, and the later end is worse for them than the beginning. You see, if you, after being delivered, are not taught as to how to walk in your deliverance, major problems. Next verse, verse 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment which was delivered to them. And the next verse, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a soul having washed to the wallowing in the mire. So what did they want? They wanted back their swine because they wanted back their uncleanness. They never left. You know, that is the reason why Jesus says, you know, do you want to be healed? It's very interesting. This first thing is, 38 years you are here. This one also was there for a long time, it says. Right? We, we, go to, we looked at all the details. No, This was also, he says, do you want to be healed? Jesus asked that guy. And after he healed them, he finds him in the temple and he, he makes a very interesting statement. He says, look, you have been made whole. Do not sin anymore. Otherwise, something worse will happen to you. Meaning, learn one parable. You know why you were like that? It was not just a physical infirmity. It was because of your sin. Now that I have forgiven your sin and I have delivered you, delivered you from your sin, stay on, stay, stay on that straight and narrow path which will teach you how to fight sin and overcome sin every day of your life so that your later end can be better than the former end. Otherwise, it will be worse. Go and sin no more. That is the reason why it says, Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 onwards. We know this very well, but to the, to the effect, to those, to those people who do not know it. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And what he does? He says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it what? Don't leave your house empty. Fill it with the word of God. That is the reason why he says, put away all malice, all evil speaking, all hypocrisy as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word of God. Not diluted milk, solid cholesterol milk so that you can grow up in your salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, when you've tasted that the Lord is good, you will automatically love the word. By the way you love the word of God, I know whether you are saved or not. How I love your law. It is my meditation all the night. Who's saying this? David. To, to what is he saying? The law. What are the first five books? What are the law? The first five books of Moses. Read Leviticus and delight in it. Let me tell me. Tell me. If you have truly, truly, truly delighted in Leviticus. One of the books that I want to finish it off as, as soon as possible. So that I can say, oh, I finished my reading my Bible. So much of sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Rest. Ba, 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 ba. 
But this guy says, you know what? This, I believe he must have understood even the spirit behind the law. Otherwise, how can he delight? It, you can only delight in something when you've known the intention behind it. You see, solving a problem is one thing. When you know why, why you solve, how you solve, you say, Are, look at this thought, no? That's the reason I say, tell people, do you want to solve Pythagoras theorem or you, do you want the mind of Pythagoras? Answer? You say, yeah, 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 I want mind of Pythagoras. Then there's a different process altogether. Mind of Pythagoras doesn't come easy. So he says, that let it not be empty. Let it not be, is put in order, yes, empty. Then he goes and takes with him seven other demons. That is the reason why I like Mary Magdalene. What does she do? She's been delivered from seven demons. What does she do? She sits at Jesus' feet and learns from him so that she can have a right mind, so that she can ward off all the attacks of the evil one. So that she can, rem- she can keep her testimony. Let us look at Gad now. Let us look at two places. Okay, sorry, before we go to Gad, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. Before before we go there. Then he goes and takes with him, this is uh, 12 and verse 45. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more bigger than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first, so it shall also be with this wicked generation. Now look at Proverbs chapter 30 verse 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes and yet not washed from its filthiness. Isn't it amazing this verse? They think that they're very good. The problem is, if you think that you're very good, would you ask for being cleansed? You already had a fantastic bath, you think, but you're stinking. But you say, I had a fantastic bath. Would you ask for a bath? No. That is the generation you're talking about. Wise in their own eyes, pure in their own eyes, yet not washed from their filthiness. That is Gadara. This whole world is a Gadara. Are we a part of it? If we are a part of you know what God is saying, saying you are being trampled, but once the gospel comes, you will be triumphant. You will just not be forgiven from your sin. You will become what? A person who will be triumphant over sin. You will triumph at last. How will you triumph at last? The secret is given in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 20. And we'll stop. And 21, okay? Blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there. What did he have? There's a portion in his life given for the lawgiver. He came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. You know what it means? This is very straightforward. He says, you can have so many contemplations about this word. One thing, he honored the word of God in his life and the judgments of God in his life. Honored God's word and honored the judgments of God in his life. He judged sin Every day. And he loved not just the law, but the lawgiver. There was a part in his life which was reserved for the lawgiver. And he said, Lord, that part nobody can take take away from me. So this morning, 
we are living in a gadara whole world given to gadara he administered the justice of the lord and his judgments with israel what is administering the justice of the law you know what the justice of the lord the righteousness of the lord what is the righteousness of the lord the gospel of god for gospel is the righteousness of god in it the righteousness of god is revealed that's exactly what this guy did right what is he doing going to 10 cities proclaiming the gospel proclaiming the gospel you see one way to get for one way is to get delivered the second way is to stay delivered you have to do two things first you have to feed yourself the law and you have to busy be busy in the ministry of god both things are important both things are important don't just keep on reading the word of god and not do anything for god both are important meditate upon the word and do the work of the ministry amen shall we start lord we learned so many truths lord this morning so many of our lives our priorities are messed up our pleasures come first for some of them so for some of us and everything less everything else next for some of us our careers come first for some of us our families are more important than god for some of us our children are more important than god we worship idols lord we are stubborn in our mind and we are set in our ways forgive us oh lord forgive us for loving pleasure and uncleanness more than we love god enable us to love righteousness and hate lawlessness so that our god can anoint us with the oil of gladness above all our fellows we need that anointing father we don't just want to be delivered from our sin we want to be delivered from the pleasure that sin brings us we just don't want to be delivered from lord unrighteousness but we want to love righteousness yes the blood of jesus will cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess our sins but lord we just want to hunger and thirst after righteousness for you said blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied father enable us to be like that one man who will go after jesus who will defect to the side of jesus who will want nothing to do with this world who will be consumed by the work of the lord in his life who will go to 10 cities 
and proclaim the goodness and the compassion of God. And bring deliverance to the rest of the people, O Lord. To the people whom you have entrusted into his hands. There is a particular decopolis, O Lord, that you have entrusted into the hands of your people. Each one. A particular decopolis. A particular area of influence. That decopolis could be their workplace, could be their college, could be their school or university. Could be the company that they are working with in. Could be the business that they are in charge of. Could be the shop that they own. That could be their decopolis. But I pray Lord Jesus, that decopolis will be the place where they will triumph in your gospel. They have been trampled by the enemy. But they will say, Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Just in time. And I am going to praise his name. That their latter end. Will be much much better. Than their former. That they will triumph at last. Thank you father for this time that you blessed us with. We praise you Lord. We worship you. Enable us to continue to walk in your deliverance. We thank you. We praise you for in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.